Let's shake it up a little. Welcome to the Salt and Pepper Podcast, adding a little bit of salt and a little bit of spice to make your Tuesday just right. Here's your hosts, Lisa and Olivia. People get to nominate the child, so they, the child is the campaign, not the hero package. You choose the child you want to support. And this stemmed from when I was in treatment, you know, I had aunts and uncles that would ask what they can do and how they can help and stuff, and they'd come up and spend $25 down at the gift shop for a couple magazines and some cheap toys that I don't need, And you know, but they want to do something to help. And so I'm like, okay, well, how about we make this like a tangible gift that has utility and value to the child while they're in treatment? Because when I got diagnosed, my aunt, she bought me a Game Boy Color, which at the time was like the pinnacle of like personal entertainment you know um and so that was kind of the jump off point so the inspiration welcome to the salt and pepper podcast my name is olivia (laughs) and And we're a mess and i'm a mess right now um my name is olivia and i'm the creator of olivia crin a blog a podcast a free editing resource my current obsession is nashville the show I am going to Nashville for the first time in June, Woo-hoo. the city, but the show right now, I forget how freaking good the show is. And across from me is Lisa Brosser. Hi, I'm Lisa Brosser. I'm a wife, a mom. I'm also a creative. And my current obsession is eating healthy, kind of. I was actually just venting about how I'm not eating healthy, and Olivia was bringing me back down to earth as I spiral into my dark, dark thoughts. So is Nashville... I'm like, do I I go into that, or do I just let that slide? I feel like I'm going to sound so stupid for a second. Is Nashville the guy who doesn't have a belly button? That would be Kyle XY that you're thinking of, and that show was very good. Um, oh, really? I watched that it show. Sounds like the same thing. N- Nashville no, sounds like Kyle different. XY. Kyle XY is about an <laughs> alien who like looks like a human, and he like lives here, but he has like human problems. Nashville oh. is about country music singers. Oh, I don't know anything. I thought mm-hmm. I forget Nashville. Is, Tennessee, yeah, home of country music. I was thinking of like yeah. the Midwest. Um, I'm not like a huge country music fan. I used to be, used to like country music a lot. Um, I'm glad you've changed. Thanks. I don't. I actually don't. I am not one of those people that is like ugh, country music is so disgusting. I don't listen to it, but I know that there's talent, and I also know that there's some really terrible country songs and totally. musicians. But same with pop. Like I couldn't. I would never sit here and be like, I'm a huge fan of pop. <laughs> But then I'm like, oh, but I like Taylor Swift and I like, Kesha's you know? number one. I love Kesha. Yeah, like, why would I say like, oh, I'm like, I love pop. But Nashville, it's a good show. It's just about like country music stars becoming like big stars and the ones rising up oh, in interesting. it. I would watch it. It's not watch a reality show though, right? No, no, no. It's like, a, it's from like it's six scripted. years ago. It has Hayden Panettiere. Oh, or whatever. She's Panettiere. The main, yeah. Um, it's really good. So you should I try think it I out. I that wrong too. But it went on for a long time. It went on for, I think it's seven seasons. So it was wow. like a really big show. So it's on Hulu, everyone. <laughs> so you should listen to it or watch it. <laughs> um, okay. <coughs> anyway, uh, should we do our silver lining of the week? Yeah. Go ahead. 
ahead and I'll start. Um, my silver lining, I am in so much pain. If you don't already know, I am about six months pregnant. It is pretty not the best. Awful. Um, all of I was pretty optimistic from the beginning of it. Things were going really well. And now all of the pain from my first pregnancy is coming up and it just feels awful. So even today I was telling Olivia I was on the verge of tears and just struggling. My my ribs just dig into absolutely everything that there is inside of me. And little did I know a little angel from above left me a gift certificate not even knowing that. And so Stop FaceTiming me. What do you want? Um, You're like, I'm working. My husband? Ew. I'm As working. I say, I'm he's an angel. <laughs> also, that's what I look like? Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Um, so I'm I'm so thankful. I'm going to be getting a pregnancy massage, <laughs> pregnancy maternity massage, whatever. Um, and so that's my silver lining, that there's people looking out for me. That's beautiful. Thank you. It's a beautiful thing. What's your silver lining? Um, <clears throat> I don't really know. Making this things, this making things work. Yeah, I guess my week has since bouncing back from being. Is that your husband? Yes. Oh my gosh. That is so loud. Um. Yeah. This week has been weird because I was sick and then bouncing back from that and. I don't know. Things have just been kind of all meshing together and I I don't really know what the silver lining is. Just that I'm getting through making things. I'm just making so many things every day. It's like making stuff for the podcast and my stuff and I'm building websites for Arturo and it's just like all meshing together at this point and I don't know what day it is and what time it is and what's happening. Silver lining. I'm alive, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, and and I was still so proud of you that you gradually got back into it, but... Then it's like, oh, so many little things in so many different areas. And you're the one who does all of it. So getting back into that is so hard. Yeah, but it's good. I'm I should be grateful. I'm able to do all that stuff. But true. But maybe I'm not. So (laughs) Um, anyway, so this week on the podcast, we have Manny Munoz um from game he started he was a founder of gamer not was is the founder of gamerosity and forte um it is a non-profit organization that i was like looking at his bio i'm like how do you even like <laughs> condense it mm-hmm. that um makes the the treatment process for kids going through cancer more fun so he gives them like hero packages and he goes into what's in all of those during the episode and it was a really good episode it was a very encouraging episode it- it's sad. It brought us it brought us back down to reality and what we're doing and the reason that we do things is and should be for other people and yeah. helping other people out. Yeah, especially and being grateful for life. Oh gosh. Totally, cuz I was even just thinking as you were saying that like last week just having a bad cold. Like not even really having the flu and being like is this a joke? Like mm-hmm. are you kidding? Like I have so much to do and I can't even imagine being diagnosed with stage four cancer at 15 and being or even now and being like so what am I supposed to do now Mm -hmm. exactly um but really encouraging he's basically just dedicated his life for other people because of what he's gone through um and gamerosity is such a cool like what they're doing is really cool and unique too um so yeah it was a really good episode (laughs) 
just like staring at me. I'm like, what am I supposed to say? <laughs> I'm thinking about, deep in the <laughs> thinking about Zav who's waiting anxiously downstairs. waiting for um, me. Well, anyway, guys, uh, we really hope you enjoy this episode. Um, and uh, and that's all I've got to say about that. That's all, folks. Okay, bye. Manny Munoz is the founder of Forte Clothing, a thriving screen printing business located in Southern Oregon. He is also the founder of Gamerosity, a nonprofit organization that changes the experience for kids in cancer treatment. Not only is Manny a survivor of stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma when he was 15, but he is a selfless leader in our community that has a huge heart for helping kids that are undergoing something so difficult to understand. We hope you enjoy today's show and realize how precious life is and how we should never take it for granted. So Manny, let's shake it up, shall we? Hey guys, before we start the show, I wanted to give a big shout out to Manny and their newly launched Gamerosity site. If you feel led in this episode to support a child going through cancer treatment, go check out their new site, Gamerosity.com. I will also link it in the show notes below. All right, today, I hate starting these off. It's so stupid. Your voice gets so low. It's because I feel like I'm... (laughs) Wow, thank you so much. You're welcome. Today, I'm sitting here with Manny Munoz, and I got really nervous saying your last name, and I don't know why, but I get nervous with names, and did I say it right? You said it right. Well, you have your own interpreter right there. I know, that's what I said. (laughs) I asked him. I was like, it's Munoz, right? But I don't know. I got nervous. Um, But anyway, thanks for being here. Um, You are the creator and founder of Gamerosity and Forte and we want to talk to you about Gamerosity but I also want to hear a little bit about Forte and what that looks like for you on a day-to-day basis. Okay well Forte Clothing is a graphic design and screen printing company. Uh, We started in a garage about 10 years ago actually in a few weeks it'll be our 10-year anniversary. Started out as a clothing line we got sick of the industry and some of the people we're working with to get our shirts printed and so we're like screw it we'll do ourselves and that's how we started. We basically failed upwards for nine years straight to get to where we're at and you know it's been a process but um it's been critical in my life you know um gamerosity doesn't exist without forte just because my original intention was use what i have and what i have was a screen printing press i figured i'd sell some t-shirts and use the money from the shirt sales to give kids game consoles Mm mm-hmm yeah, I didn't realize that that's where Forte... Because I knew you've been doing this for a long time, but I didn't realize... Mm-hmm. So you started off making stuff for Gamerosity. That we, was the intention? We started out making stuff for our clothing line, which was Forte Clothing Company. Okay. And um, it was founded by one of my buddies, Ryan Patch. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of hired on to be a graphic designer for him and help him with his website. Um, and he, you know, I love the vision behind it, which was they were using like 10% of the funds to give towards... A charity every month and at the time it was um, a charity out in the Dominican Republic it's like yeah I could get behind that so started designing for him and eventually you know I was helping him with with outputting the artwork for screen printing for other screen printers in the valley and eventually I was like you know if we really want to make some money we'll get our own press print our own shirts and then Mm -hmm. maybe we print for other people so Mm -hmm. you see where it goes from there I mean so his dad let us use his garage, which I don't think he realized what he was getting into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a screen printing shop is a messy, stinky place. Mm-hmm. Uh, we needed a dark room. We formed the dark room out of a PVC cubes or tubes with, with the little fittings and stuff. We made a six foot by six foot by eight foot cube. We no. used blackout fabric and that was inside of the garage. And oh it was gosh. just like we faked it till we made it for a very long time. You know, we went from a garage to a storage shed attached to an insurance company to a small shop up in the country 
to downtown Dang. Medford, and then now we're at the 3,600 square foot shop in Violet's Road. So it's been a journey. Okay, so now you're in 3,600 square feet workshop. What does failing for nine years mean? What does that look like? What do you mean by that? Well, um, I've often said that like screen printing isn't for everybody. Um, anybody could start it. Anybody could do it. Like, but you have to be okay with not just failing, but being willing to overcome the failures. Uh, we found the mistake a lot of people would make was when they would make a mistake, they would basically put it on the customer and be like, well, sorry about mm. it. And we were always, you know, very apologetic. And we're like, we'll make it right. Even if we don't make any profit off this job, this valley's too small. We got to make it right. And and that's always kind of been the cornerstone of who we are. Um, and we figured if we're going to make it right, we might as well learn from it. Mm. And so we've had jobs that, you know, customers we've been working with for five years now and the same design I've had to reformat probably five six times as I've learned and grown in the industry found new techniques to make the job better because in the end we want to be proud of what we do right like when we go mm -hmm. to lay our bed our head to bed at night we want to look back at what we do and know that we gave it our best effort to the best of our ability you know I never want to mail in a day and so <coughs> part of that for me has always been to get better even if it's like finding a way to make a screen print job you know a little bit better so that's been important for us that takes a lot of humility well there's humility but there's pride too there's that part of you that's <laughs> like, totally. like that arthur ball up your fist meme you know it's yeah. like that for me where it's just yeah. like i do not want someone to post this and say can you would you look at this like who the hell would do this right like i wanted but some people don't care yeah and so that's where the humility comes in it's like sure. well whatever i did what i could do like i gave you my best it's your fault you didn't tell me this this and this but yeah. you're saying no and so that's what good customer service really is yeah it's been huge and it helps having um you know griff as my business partner he's he is just as if not more prideful than i am when it comes to that kind of stuff. So um, he's one of those people who, who not only, you know, welcomes challenges, he expects them. And when he sees the challenges kind of waning, he will find something new to pique his interest. And so um, it's that element, seeing what we do as a trade, as an actual profession, instead of like some hobby that we're doing, you know, to make some extra money. Once we change our mentality to being about that, mm -hmm. um, having pride and having it represent <coughs> us and then finding our way to providing value in the community. Um, it, I, I think it was just a perfect fit for us. So it's been great. That's, that's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I've talked to so many people lately that we're just like talking about business or I've gone into business with them and just saying the most important thing is to start off saying this is a business no matter how much money you're making. Like mm -hmm. looking at it and like you said, being proud of your work. And right now there's this whole fad with like how perfectionism is bad. And mm -hmm. I've been hearing that a lot. And obviously there's a line between like insanity and perfectionism where you're like mentally hurting yourself. But I'm like perfectionism is what makes a brand. Like making that thing perfect like if there's a line out of place on a graphic I don't like I will figure it out for four hours until I get it right because it just is, makes me so mad um but that's the difference between just starting a business and being an entrepreneur as well and you obviously are an entrepreneur so well, yeah and that's the thing is is most of us provide a product that most people could get from anywhere so why you you know mm -hmm. why me you know I have a charity that if you boil it down to the simplest part, we give kids a backpack with an iPad and a whole bunch of stuff in it. Anyone could get an iPad to a kid. It costs $250 for a basic iPad. Like, 
that's a lo- that's half the cost that you have to raise to get a hero package from us because of everything else we add to it, which is not just providing value, but the product itself and, and like, oh, why don't you just get them a Samsung tablet instead of an iPad? Well, no, we actually believe that this is the best route for the kit. So when you set the standard for being the highest it can be, like that's why they go to you because mm-hmm. you have conviction in what you're doing and they know that you're gonna you're gonna have your pride, your conviction, your your stamp, your identity is all in the final product that comes in it. And to me, that's what separates, you know, the the entrepreneur from the entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. The person the person who wants to look like they're hustling and bustling and making deals mm-hmm. happen or whatever, mm-hmm. versus the person who will die for the project. Mm-hmm. And it's that kind of passion and intensity that I think separates so many different people. Totally. Well, that's good. That entrepreneur. So I like that. I think I stole that's that so from like Shark Tank. So that's, that's it's not fine. Me. We'll yeah. use it. It's, oh, it's yeah. officially ours. Mark Cuban has definitely <laughs> said that. Now it's like coming back to me. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like something so huge too. Is I I always tell people. I was just telling someone the other day they want to start like a fitness thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, first of all, you need to understand. No one cares about you. And if you can understand <laughs> that, then you can create your brand and then just dive into it. Um, but make it the best it can be. Because I feel like so many people go into things um, like you're saying and it's like okay you're providing this product who freaking cares so are 300,000 people doing the same thing you're doing but it's that drive and the passion to do it Mm -hmm. so I like that well let's get into gamerosity because you've already touched on it a little bit so do you want to talk about that and what it is yeah so um, when I was 15 years old I was diagnosed with uh, stage 4 non-Hodgkin's lymphoma Um, it was basically as in my under my jaw on my neck is a lump sticking out and uh, you know we're kind of monitoring it and it kept growing and so we finally had it checked out and then I was misdiagnosed originally with stage one and then they did um, my mom got me switched over to Children's Hospital in LA and they did secondary tests realized I was stage four Um, tumors went to my spinal cord and I was having trouble walking it was pretty rough Um, and I went through all that and really when you're 15, all you're trying to do is, is not be the kid with cancer, right? You're trying to be normal. You're trying to, to fit in, be the cool guy, you know, and have a normal high school life where I got diagnosed, uh, April 1st and I wasn't better until September. We're talking about a whole summer I lost, you know, summers at the beach, you know, birthday parties, all the stuff that, that you remember doing as a kid and as a teenager in the summer, you know, I had to miss out on most of that. Um, and so that was the hardest part for me. And, and by the time I got better, all I wanted to do was move on. I, I, I begged the doctor for, I would say, the better part of two months to get my the, the doctor's clearance so I could start working out again, so I could get, you know, mm-hmm. play basketball again, mm-hmm. get back on the team, just just be a normal kid all over again. That was my my goal in life was was to be normal, not talk about cancer, get it behind me. And that's basically what I did, you know. And so um, as the years went by, I started realizing that, like, I, I couldn't get away from the word cancer. Every time someone I knew got diagnosed or shoot, even someone I didn't know got diagnosed, I would get a text or a phone call asking, hey, can you call this person and give them some like words of wisdom? And I'm like, like, okay, first off, everybody's case is different, right? Mm-hmm. Like there are three other kids who got diagnosed w- with my same exact diagnosis that passed away within months. Like I, the worst thing I, I want to do, and I know they're well-meaning, but the worst thing I ever wanted to do was like tell someone you're going to get through is trust through it, trust in the Lord with all False your heart, help. give them Proverbs 3, 5, like <laughs> do the whole nine, like what helped me get through it and then like and then they they die like Mm. like so 
that was hard for me and it felt like this inescapable like sentence that I was given you will survive but it will follow you forever um, and right around nine years ago or so now um, I, w- I remember I was in my shop and I just felt like this pull like that I, I want to give back you know and later on that night my son who was three at the time was dancing around the Christmas tree talking about all the great things he was going to get for Christmas and it was like it was crazy it was it was things that like like we were poor I mean the kid was going to get like a couple clothes and like a toy and he's talking about like an iPad he's talking about like and I'm like bro you're three like like iPads came out two years ago like what are you doing but that's where he was at you know and I remember looking at Kat and thinking you know we have to teach him how to be generous like he needs to know that you know Christmas season this life everything is about what you give not what you get and so um, I put a post out on Facebook and I asked if anyone knew of any kid who could use a smile um preferably a kid with cancer and um uh, one of my friends Susie White tagged another woman saying you know she has a 15 year old son who got um just relapsed with leukemia name's Michael I was like okay cool she gave me her phone number put me in touch I gave her a call got some information about Michael and um he he just relapsed and his xbox just died and so we went and we bought him a brand new Xbox, wrapped it up in Christmas present stuff, and we went down to Ashland where he lived and met his family and delivered him the, the Xbox. We were there for a good 45 minutes or so, got to meet the family, talk with them, everything. After that, we went over to Noble Coffee, you know, got some chocolate for the kids and some coffee for us and stuff. And I remember the whole, the whole experience was amazing. The drive back, everything was like, it just felt like I was walking on clouds. It was like the mm. best feeling I ever had. Um, and then later on that night, I put the kids to bed and I just got to thinking. And at the time, um, I was part of the design team for um, IJM. Um, I was working on their um, their crowdfunding aspect. I was designing that for their website. Who is this? Um, International Wait. Justice Mission. Okay. That's, that's where I wanted to work when I graduated college. Oh, really? So that's so weird. I've never... Yeah. And I always say it and nobody knows what it is. Really? Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. They were, that's I mean, awesome. I remember like when I was working on it, every time I work on something, I want to go through the backstory. And so like I worked on two major projects that were like life-changing for me. One of them was, was IJM's website just because the functionality of it was very unique with with the personal crowdfunding uh, which wasn't happening at the time you know mm. there was no GoFundMe and any of that stuff oh, right now right. there's no Kickstarter then um, so I was working on that and I was working on a project for call and response which was uh, like a rockumentary about human trafficking mm. and so the combination of those two and this is kind of the rise of social entrepreneurship and um and like um, Sevenly was was just coming up at the time, and so this is when people started becoming more conscious about their apparel, about their causes, and things like this. This was the start of all that. And I remember I looked at my wife and I said, <coughs> "I have an idea," and she said, "Oh no." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, she she's kind of used to me, you know, taking leaps and falling a lot, you know. And and she's just like, "Okay, what is it?" And I told her, "I think we could do this on a bigger scale. I think we could have more kids." And originally the idea was small, you know, we're going to buy one kid with cancer an Xbox or a PS4 a month. And then I'm going to see if my friends want to help kick in 20 bucks, whatever. I mean, it's not that much. We're talking $250, $300. We could come up with that, you know. And so I asked my friend Ryan, who's my business partner at Forte at the time, and He's like, well, why don't you just become a nonprofit so people could write that off? And I started thinking about it more. And then I talked to um, 
one of my um, my he's my good friend now. He's one of my bosses out at Snapshot Group. It's cleverly now, and I asked I started talking to him about the idea, hoping that like me sharing the idea w- with him would cause him to say, "Let's do the website for you." Uh, because I had no <laughs> chance of affording a website at the time. I was so broke. I was living in a duplex in West Medford. We had no money. Uh, my daughter was maybe one. My son was three. We were, we were just, I mean, we we're a young family starting out, mm-hmm. and I was a subcontract graphic designer and screen printer, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't have anything. Um, and so we, I started coming up, the concept started rounding itself out. Like, okay, well, how about I design shirts, and we sell them, we use the money for that. And then the idea became a lot more personal, which that's that's where I like to live in is like heartbeats and handprints, you know, like mm. like the personal side of things. And so um, it was like, what if people get to nominate the child? So they the child is the campaign, not the hero package. Mm. You choose the child you want to support. And this stemmed from when I was in treatment. You know, I had aunts and uncles that would ask what they can do and how they can help and stuff. And they'd come up and spend $25 down at the gift shop for a couple of magazines and some cheap toys that I don't need. And, you know, but they want to do something to help. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, okay, well, how about we make this like a tangible gift that has utility and value to the child while they're in treatment? Because when I got diagnosed, my aunt, she bought me a Game Boy Color, which at the time was like the pinnacle of like personal entertainment uh-huh. you know mm-hmm. um and so that was kind of the jump off point so the mm. inspiration was was what i was given by my generous aunt when i was in treatment and then this is sort of today's version of the game boy color is an ipad mini mm-hmm. and so we started like it started developing like okay the child would be the campaign and aunts and uncles would get the link and they could buy a shirt or they could donate and we could use that money towards that campaign give 100% of the profits for it, it all goes towards it, and then once that campaign gets funded, we'll close it down, and we'll send them the hero package, and we'll let them know it's from the friends and family and all that. And it was really interesting how it sort of blossomed because that's how I thought it was gonna be. I thought I was gonna be like uh, the man behind the curtain, like on Wizard of Oz, just not really involved, mm-hmm. just you know pulling the cogs and you know levers and stuff and making things happen. and. That's kind of how I wanted it to be because, believe it or not, I had a reputation of being like an attention seeker before all this, hmm. you know. And so I was like, oh, no, this is about the kids. It has to be about the kids. You know? <laughs> and really, I, what I realized in that whole process is what I was yearning for was purpose for a long time. You know, it wasn't attention. It was something of value that could really, you know, make me feel alive. And so when I found that, when it became gamerosity and it, and it was like it all made sense. And my mom was just like, are you sure you want to do this? This is going to be a lot of work. You're already so busy. What if, what if, what if a kid dies? Mm-hmm. Like, how are you going to handle that? She already knows I'm really emotional already. I'm just mm-hmm. like, look, mom, like, what if I died? You, are you hoping that people that came and saw me wouldn't just to save themselves the heartbreak? Like, we have to, they're, if they die, they're going to die regardless of them meeting me or not. But this life is all about the impact we have one to another. Mm-hmm. And so... It, it was really neat because friends started coming by. They started hearing about the idea. I think Arturo, you were like in your senior in high school. I think when I when I started telling you guys about this idea I had, mm-hmm. and it just started growing. And so like this idea of a crowdfunded campaign at the time, there were no charities in the country that were doing this kind of thing. We were the first to ever roll this out. I was just um, gonna ask that. What's your quote unquote competition like? 
Um, well, that, that's the thing is, is there's charities that give out iPads and there's charities that help pay rent and there's charities that, um, that give kids gifts and jars full of, of toys and things to help mm-hmm. like bring them some joy, whether, whether in treatment and stuff, there's charities that do all that stuff are, I think what makes us unique is our platform brings the community together mm. as we've grown now this was we launched in february 2013 and as we've grown we've evolved with the families with the kids so now we have kids who received hero packages three four years ago they're delivering the hero packages to new kids now in treatment wow. they're going to the hospital we call it giving forward you know, and, and so this is heroes helping heroes. The items in the hero package now, there's things that represent specific kids who've been in treatment. So it's it's turning into a heroes package, you know. And so we're all about storytelling, and and this is about empowerment and empowering the community. When they when kids find out, families find out that perfect strangers help fund hero packages just because they're moved to compassion by it. Um, those kinds of things, you know, they matter because when you are in treatment and you're in that hospital bed and you spent three, four days straight laying down in sweatpants, wondering if anybody ever remembers or cares to know that like people came through even $20 at a time or bought mm-hmm. a t-shirt to support that stuff. That's what stays, you know, because um, in the end, it's just an iPad. You know, if it, if it was just an iPad, we would have been gone a long time ago. We've had some hard days. I mean, you guys came into my shop today mm-hmm. and you I was I was just before you guys got here, I, I, I was in tears. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, there's hard moments because we're dealing with with life and death and and people whose iPads don't work anymore and they want them back. And this person got the wrong shirt size. And, and, and so there's complications and everything. But if if it wasn't about the relationships, about the heartbeats and handprints, there's no way we last you know and so as it evolves we always we always say that that we will be the charity that's one foot wide and 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 a million feet deep before we're a million feet wide and one foot deep Mm. you know i think what's so crazy is that starting forte you're just expecting to start a business and work hard Mm -hmm. and a huge thing that you believe in is customer service and then you start gamerosity and little did you know how huge and important customer service would turn into Mm -hmm. because you're you're dealing with people with crazy medical conditions Mm -hmm. and it's just so cool to see your heart and the fact that you understand where everyone's at from your heart now and then your heart back when you were the 15 year old and you didn't even want to talk about it so are you ever able to meet the patients Mm -hmm. so what's that like for you is that Um, really emotional or hard i i do my best to always keep it normal i let the kids set the pace and so we you know whenever we start meeting a kid we kind of keep it open-ended and we're willing to be whoever the kid needs us to be um so i've had the privilege of it's it's wild man this charity's taken me it's taken me to cities i never thought i'd be i was in columbus ohio this year for you know just to hang out with some kids who've received hero packages from me like seven years ago and they're wearing gamerosity shirts because they know that i was going to be there it was like it was so such a blessing for me to meet these families and stuff like i've been to boston three times now because of this charity we put together events where we're like meeting new kids and, and like hospital visits. I, I got to serve ice cream to kids at Children's Hospital in Boston. Mm-hmm. We, I'm going to Milwaukee in three weeks. We're putting a, together a prom for the kids there. 
that right there is the freaking coolest. You know, mm -hmm. um, that was an idea I had because uh, 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 one of my friends in high school, her name was Nicole. She had cancer leukemia when she was in junior high. I didn't know her then. Um, we ended up going to the same high school, and I met her my freshman year, and we became buddies. Uh, we had a couple classes together, um, and you know, I remember hearing these stories about when she had cancer when she was sick. I got diagnosed my sophomore year, and one of the mm -hmm. things I used to say to myself all the time is, was that if if Nicole could beat it, I could beat it. It was a very, it was something I repeated to myself all the time. Like I'm tougher than her. If she could beat it, I could beat it. And um, I remember I was about two weeks into the clear, and uh, my best friend had a football game, and I remember I was sitting in the bleachers to go watch him watch him play, and one of our mutual friends came and sat with me, and she asked how I was doing and all that, and you know we're watching, and she asked if I heard about Nicole, and like immediately I, I already knew, and I, you know she relapsed, and so went and find her, and I remember talking to her and, and saying you know like hey if I could beat it you could beat it. You know, you got this and all that. And um, we ended up losing her about a year later. And that was probably the, the, the biggest, the deepest pain I've ever felt in my life. Like, I've never forgiven myself for not being um, as good of a friend as I should be. I should have followed up more with her. I should have been more involved with her. Um, I should have called her and I should have called her mom, you know, and, and you live with those regrets, you know, it's called survivor's guilt. Um, and one of the things that, 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 for me, it, you know, we put together prom because Nicole was never able to go to her prom, mm. you know, and uh, our prom queen last year, last year was the first time we put it together. It was, it was so awesome. Um, we had our prom queen, uh, she was terminal and we ended up losing her uh, about four months after the event. And I mean, it proved it right there that like we gave her a night that like we had a limo pick her up. Um, and her and her family, she came down. We had hairstylists. So, so it was, it, the venue was really cool. It has the, the hall is upstairs and downstairs is actually a uh, hair salon. Well, we called the hair salon. They let us actually use their place after they closed. Oh, and wow. so we had the kids come in and we had, um, we had like five or six volunteers that were hairstylists come in and do hair and makeup for the kids. So the girls would feel as beautiful as they would on prom night. And, um, and she, you know, we brought her in and her family, her sisters, and did their hair and makeup and stuff. And, like, it was a very special day. And, like, all these things are all about relationships and connecting these families. We've had, uh, we call it Game On Day. It's a, it's a free community outreach day for everybody. It's, like, inflatables and crafts and games. And hmm. Milwaukee, last year, we had, like, 750 people come. Wow. It was insane, man. We had so many people come out. We, we, we presented, I think, eight or nine hero packages there to different kids around. And what's really cool is, like, we have survivors already, like, positioned and ready. And, like, this cluster of survivors is handing out this hero package and this cluster. Mm -hmm. You know, and every now and again, they'll have me hand out one, which, which I, I obviously, I love doing it. Um, but it's one of those, like, I must decrease situations where it's, like, we have to elevate the kids. Because, you know, charities, they tend to do that. They're very leader-centric, you know. It's, it's this charity is led by that person. And you kind of get to know those like follow that person well you know what that person is frail and he's human and he's gonna fail and when he fails the, the charity shouldn't fail with it because the mm -hmm. work is good right i think it happened with impossible children um mm. or invisible children oh, um, right. you know an incredible ad campaign mm -hmm. uber successful he had a mental breakdown yeah and mm. when all that stuff happened the charity just died yeah and but the work was 
insane. It was so good. Like the Coney thing was just one thing of what they're doing. Right. There was so much other incredible work. So, so for me, I, I was always very intentional about like, dude, it has to be about the kids. We mm-hmm. have to elevate the kids. So like the only picture of me on, on the website is just the founder section because I understand we have to put that there. Mm-hmm. You know, my story as a survivor is what actually gives some um, to, some weight to parents because they're very leery about, you know, having their kid go online and stuff mm-hmm. like that and having campaigns. So them understanding that a survivor is running this, that, you know, I have their best intentions at heart, um, lends some credibility there. But otherwise, we always make it about the kids. You know, that was a struggle. We have a new website coming out soon. And um, a lot of the pictures were like pictures of our logo, uh, you know, our little hero guy. Mm-hmm. There are pictures of me. There are pictures of things like that. And it's like, yeah, I don't think you understand what mm-hmm. what actually our culture is about. Mm-hmm. And it's about the kids. Because a kid being able to go on like a national website and seeing their picture on that mm-hmm. and them being the rock star, like the main picture we have is um, in our hero image is um, one of my favorite young ladies. Her name's Keegan. And she is now full head of hair. When I first met her, I think it was about this long, wow. about five years ago. Um, and she is putting a cape on a new hero. Mm. And to me, it was like, this is gamerosity. Mm. This is what it's about. It's the hero packages. They're the vehicle. They're what they're what gets us, you know, the attention and gets us in the door. But what we facilitate is relationships, and that's what matters most to me. Mm-hmm. Because without that, you know, there's it's it's just stuff, and and stuff. You know, iPads. iPads are cool, but then like, like I don't know. Do you have old tech? Old old what? iPad. No. Okay, so we 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 set up. I had an old iPad one. I, I have it in my shop and my darkroom guy, he needs he needs something to be able to look at stuff, like to look at the orders and pull them up. Uh-huh. And so he's over here like touching the iPad and there's such a delay on it because the tech is so old. Oh, yeah. right. So like, yeah. like th- if we make it about the phone or the iPad or the Xbox, like, yeah. you know, oh, you know, get a, get a kid a PS4. Well, in four years, a PS5 is going to come out. Mm-hmm. You know, like if it's just the stuff, it's going It'll to be fade. obsolete and it's going to die and it doesn't matter. But if it's a symbol, it's so much more, you know. So when they look at an iPad or when they look at their stuffy or the cape or the hat, you know, it's, it's, it's a symbol of solidarity, of strength, of what they've been through and who's been behind them while they're going through it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's always the thing that we want to elevate every single time. Mm-hmm. And it's also the community, it sounds like, that you guys form around them because even you still have relationships with these people after many years. Mm-hmm. And so do the heroes... Do they form relationships with those that they give the gifts yeah. to? Yeah, that's a, we have a we have a family up in Vancouver, Washington. A boy named Keaton. We delivered a hero package. Actually, my whole family did. Uh, we would always do something like, "Hey, we're headed up to Portland. Kids zero percent, zero dollars funded." You know, we're just going to believe in faith that he's going to be fully funded. By the time we get up there, we're going to go up there with a hero package, see what happens. And usually by the time we head up, he's fully funded, which is mm-hmm. always really neat to see the community get behind. And that happened probably about six years ago. Um, and so Keaton got his hero package. He survived. And then we had him give forward to a boy named Quincy who's in treatment. And um, so he went there. So Keaton met Quincy while he was in treatment. But then Keaton relapsed. Wow. But now, now Quincy and Keaton are there for each other wow. while they're in treatment. That relationship's strong. Huge. They're buddies, 
you know, being able to facilitate those kinds of things. Those are like, the two, you know, if, if you're of faith, you understand that these are like eternal things that, that we're partaking in, you know. If it was just iPads and just stuff, you know, then it's, it's our photo ops and things like that. There's, there's so little of value there. But to be able to create these <clears throat> lifelong friendships of people who, you know, like that family in particular, uh, they're believers, you know. And so then, like, they have a prayer family. They have mm. that, that um, solidarity one to another and that connection. And to me, that's the stuff that's, like, I'm most proud of is that we've been able to do things like that. Because, yeah, like, there's, there's a charity right now. They're, like, giving out iPads like Skittles. Like, it's cra- I get tagged in, in, in their posts all the time. Mm. And, I, you know, it, it, to me, it's, it's, I think it's great. Like, yeah, you kidding me? It, like, people, I'll get private messages from people saying, like, what do you think of these people? Are you worried about them? <laughs> and I'm like, no, give out as many iPads as possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. Why would I want kids to not have There's not too much these help. things to help mm-hmm. them out yeah. in treatment? Why? So I could be the one that does it? Like, And what you're my, giving is different too. Yeah, and what I'm hoping is that it's so much more than an iPad. Yeah. And I hope that I hope they, they gather that part. I've always mm-hmm. said from the very beginning that the second I see a charity doing what we're doing better, I will shut down the shop and I'll become a monthly donor for them. Mm-hmm. I'd be happy to. You imagine how like- little stress I'd have? Like, I'd be happy to do that if I felt that they, they match the passion and the drive and the creativity and the heart behind what we're doing, mm-hmm. then 100%, because this isn't about me. This isn't mm-hmm. about, like, my future plan to be this charity yeah. runner guy, right? My goal is to, to, to handle the responsibility I have of this charity with intense conviction and creativity and then see where it takes me. And so far it's taken me like freaking Columbus, Ohio. (laughs) That's crazy. Boston across (laughs) the country. Yeah, Boston's dope, man. Like now any chance I have to go to Boston, I'm going, that is the coolest freaking city I've ever been to. I bet, I've heard it is. I've never been to New York though, so maybe maybe that's cooler, (laughs) but Boston. We'll go with you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Um, I'm gonna let Olivia talk, but I do wanna say I understand that in, um, we started a church Mm -hmm. and it's the same thing where when we came into Ashland, we were actually a little afraid that people wouldn't accept us as a new church because that actually happens. There's competitiveness mm-hmm. and everyone brought us in with open arms and they're like, it doesn't matter because you're not, not just take, you're not trying to take people away from us. You're trying to show people who the Lord is. Right. And so it's so different when you're a nonprofit. That's probably the biggest difference is yeah, you're a business and yeah, you want to keep going for a really long time, but the bigger heart is who you're going to impact and how you're going to impact them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I just wanted to affirm everything that you're saying because I was thinking about when I first met you and we were doing a lot of like photo shoots and stuff mm-hmm. and I have such a vivid memory of, of you. Are you scared? And <laughs> we were outside and I think somebody was complaining about something, right? No, nothing like bad, just kind of like it was hot. And I just remember you going like, there are kids with cancer dying, take the photo. And I remember sitting there going, wait, I don't even know Manny's story. You never talked about yourself. And then I was thinking about today and I'm like, wait, I don't even know anything about your story. <laughs> and so that's just an affirmation of the fact that it, that gamerosity truly is not about you and your, I think it's, it's your drive too. And like you said, your conviction, um, because I think a lot of people that are in, that were in your story would have, 
um, would make it a habit of living by fear. I think mm-hmm. I could see myself doing that. Um, as entrepreneurs, I don't think that's te- like really within mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, but has that been something for you like personally as your own story? Have you been fearful of relapsing and being back in that place? Or does this fuel you? Um, you know, well, okay, first off, <laughs> Me talking about kids dying. In Not the heat in a and bad stuff, way. <laughs> that is that has to be like one of the most Calvary Chapel things I'd ever say. In the time. <laughs> Such a youth leader thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I was I was told that it's about 50 50 mm-hmm. that I'll come back, and it hasn't. You know, uh, about three years after I found a tumor in my back, kind of just randomly poking out the shoulder blade. Um, I was in Mexico at school discipleship. And I found it, and, and I remember I waited like four months before my mom found the lump in my throat. I knew it was there beforehand. So I remember going to the little tienda in the corner and like asking them if they could, if I could use their phone because I got to call my mom and tell her that I found a lump. And uh, you know, the next day my dad drove down because it's only two and a half hours or so from from where my dad lived down in Mexico, and um, came and got me, and and I went through the whole thing again, and everything felt the same. Mm. Everything, all the appointments. The uh, they had me awake for the biopsy on my back, but um, everything f- the language was the same, you know. Um, the the ambiguity was the same. It was like flashbacks of it all coming back, um, and I remember just sitting there thinking, like, God, why, you know, like, mm-hmm. like you got huge plans for me. And I didn't even know what they were at the time, but you know, you have that feeling like there's more. And just this, like you had me survive cancer, so I have this story, this platform of like what I've triumphed over, and that's that lens, you know, whatever. And you know, this this whimsical brain of mine of like where things go from there. But um, there was that fear, um, and now, you know, I have a nine-year-old and eleven-year-old, and I think I've I've transferred my fear to will I be diagnosed? To God, I hope it's not hereditary. Mm. You know, we had. A little bit of a scare with Malachi when uh, he was probably six or so, five or six. We found a little lump on the back of his knee, and he had to go in it through an MRI. And I remember um, just, you know, I'll, I'll go in there with him, and I told him what to prepare for and all that, and how the little bangs and stuff aren't scary or whatever. Just pretend it's music. This was how I got through him, you know. And I remember sitting there holding his hand and, and thinking, like, what if this is something? You know, I have we're talking sarcomas here in, in the knee. This is, this is bad. Um, and thank goodness it was just a Baker cyst, you know, but you entertain those thoughts and you ask yourself like, what do we do if that happens? You know? And, you know, it, for me, it obviously it helped me identify a little bit more with the parents, what they go through. And, and most of these charity leaders, um, they're all, they're ran by parents whose kids have had cancer or have passed away from cancer and they want to give back. You know, I have a unique perspective as a survivor um, using my experience as the jump off point. And then it's a little bit more unique that I'm also a parent now. And so, like, I have a perspective of caring for my children and of what I've gone through and then seeing my kids in tough situations and helping them through it. So having that, you know, we've changed things that we've done with the charity because of those experiences. Mm -hmm. Like, you learn okay, this, we're giving it to the kid just for the sake of giving it to him. That's like patting yourself on the back, right? So like <laughs> now we don't put things in the hero packages unless we feel like they have utility. 
if it's giving for the sake of giving, you know, there's other charities that do that. Like it has to have a meaning in their in their treatment experience, right? Because that's our mission is to change the treatment experience for kids with cancer. Um, so if it doesn't wrap itself around that, we kind of don't, you know. Um, so, but by and large, you know, my fear of of it coming back, if it does, it does. Um, you know, my family's taken care of and my kids know who I am. And that was, I think, a really important part for me as a dad was like, I don't want them to see me as just like some dad. And like, I want them to actually know who I am, what I'm about, you know, mm-hmm. the things I love and that I had a personality. It wasn't just some father figure. You know, I didn't, I didn't really get to know my dad until like I was 18, 19, 20 years old. You know, for a long time, it was very ambiguous. You know, I obviously my dad was around, you know, I saw him on on weekends. I ended up living with him like towards high school and stuff. But by and large, I didn't really know who he was or what he liked or anything like that. And so for me, it's always been like have a deep relationship with my son. He has a lot of my passions, Mm -hmm. which with sports can get pretty bad. (laughs) So like, you know, teaching him like, hey, I went through that, too. You're not alone in this. We're going through this together, you know, and so going processing through that stuff, becoming a parent has been probably the the best way of shaking off my fear of relapse. And more so now it's just like, God, I just pray my kids stay healthy. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, we'll we'll tackle it as it comes. But you know, it's it's not necessarily something I'm worried about anymore. Yeah. Well, you're living your life like not for yourself, you know, and that's I think that fuels you. I'm assuming that fuels you. I think it fuels anybody. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Did you have a question? Uh, yeah. Going back to uh, when you first got diagnosed and then um, being in the clear, as you put it. How do you think you changed the most, especially emotionally? I'm. I'm just thinking about you and your son and the relationship that you have with him. And maybe it's a little bit with about also not growing up with a father 24 seven. Um, but how has that, um, maybe emotionally changed you or the way that you see relationships or anything in your life? Well, I think as I, as I've gotten older, I've been, I've been able to identify a lot with, um, with a lot of things that I didn't understand when I was a kid, you know, um, the drive back that me and my dad had, um, after we found out that I had cancer, um, we, we didn't really say one word to each other the whole time. And for a long time, I wondered like, like, you know, why didn't he say anything? (laughs) You know, like, you know, no, Hey, we're going to get through it. It's going to be okay. Anything like that. Um, you know, and then, then I had kids and then I'm sitting there like, what do you say? Mm. You know, the only thing he really had to say was, do you want to come home or do you do you want to go back to school? And because it was around lunchtime and I was like, uh, send me back to school right now. It's like it's too much silence, you know, just busy me up. And I'm pretty sure my dad was looking to get busied up himself, too, at the time, because it's just that's devastating. You know, your own child. My dad, my dad has loved me for every second of my life. And I, I know <coughs> that, you know, not the best with words. You know, he's he's more the kind of guy that will tell you he loves you by by bringing you a breakfast burrito. Like that's that's his jam. <laughs> which breakfast burritos are great. Yeah, you know? that sounds good to me. So, <laughs> so like the, the change and the growth as 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 I got farther away from me being in the clear when I hit the five year mark, which is your official you know uh, a survivor mark. Um, it was like it it was it was very freeing. Cause, cause that's generally when you're like, okay, the chances of it coming back are a lot lower. 
And then we've kept things in perspective where every year on September 5th, which is my last day of chemo, we go out for a steak dinner. Whoever wants to come, come out, you know, no presents or anything like that. I go get a fat steak from somewhere. I think this year was Smithfields, you know, with some friends and we just celebrate being alive, Mm. you know, and and it's good to have those moments because, you know, life gets so busy. You get caught up in, you know, what the final numbers are with your business. You get so caught up in, you know, all the, all the metrics you're trying to hit in life, whether it's, it's dollars or relationships or whatever, the busyness of it all, you know, that you really forget what you've come out of. And it's, it's cancer for me, but for, for everybody else, it's your own story. There's, there's, there's insecurity, there's struggles, there's things that we've, personal demons that we've all had a battle. And I think like I've had the opportunity to have something, a tangible date for me to hang on to, but I think it's healthy for everybody to like, Hey, I overcame this and every year I'm going to celebrate that among people who love me and care about that process. Cause I think, I think among the things that we need to get better at is celebrating others. And, mm-hmm. and so like, that's been it for me. Man, I take being healthy for granted. Just hearing your story. You don't even think about it until you hear something like that. It's crazy. Um, so earlier you were talking about how, when we walked in on you, you were dealing with the memorial wall on your mm-hmm. website. Um, and I was just kind of reflecting on, you know, businesses and nonprofits and how you navigate those. Cause I remember when I worked at the coffee shop and I would manage people and they were dealing with drama and I would be like, mm-hmm. you got to compartmentalize. Like if you're going to come to work, you got to shove it away and you got to do your job. But I was thinking with you today, I'm like, but that's not something you compartmentalize. That's mm-hmm. something that just takes over everything. So for you, what do you do? Because you are dealing with, I mean, one of the saddest things you can deal with on a daily basis but you're also trying to run Forte and a nonprofit. So what do you do to navigate all of those things? Um, lots of coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and lots of coffee runs, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm very fortunate to have Griff as a business partner. Because mm-hmm. even, you know, when he came in after he left, it was lunchtime and, and he's like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I'm de- doing the memorial wall. And he's just like, oh, you know, and Griff, Griff has gone with me on nine out of ten trips. He's always down. He goes wherever. He's compassionate. He finds a need. He fills a need. Um, he expresses differently than I do. He's really good at internalizing. Um, I have a tattoo of a heart on my wrist as a reminder mm-hmm. that it's okay for me to wear my heart on my sleeve. Because um, that's, that's just how I operate. And I've been ashamed of that my whole life. You know, I've not worked well in certain situations because I'm so passionate about everything I do. It's sometimes it's too intense for for people. Sometimes it's just downright annoying for people. Um, so for me, it's like it's okay, and it's it's not okay to be disrespectful. So to be mad at people for not identifying with what I'm going through is is not acceptable, right? Um, you know, and so I had to learn that as I'm emotions bubble and all that mm-hmm. or things get crazy and you know at forte um you know it's it's make sure that i don't deflect that i i take it in and and i feel the pain you know and and i think it's important for the parents to know that i that i don't just think about the fun times i don't think that's fair that i celebrate our charity because we gave your kid an ipad is not fair it's that i love your family and i love your child i've been praying for your child since the moment i've seen 
your child's name show up in the nomination form. And I've been praying for that child. And when your child died, that hit me because it matters, you know. Um, so I have, I have a tattoo of, of a tiger on my arm that belongs to Michael. You know, that was his, his favorite animal. And, and Michael was the name of the kid who we met in Ashland that we gave a hero package to. Um, I thought Michael was going to help me run Gamerosity. You know, and he took a turn for a worse, and we lost him in August of 2013. I mean, shoot, we were only around for six months before he went down. And I remember I got a call one day. Um, it was late at night. It was already like 9 p.m., and I was out in Eagle Point, and I got a call saying, hey, you know, Michael's in the hospital. He wants you to come. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. You know, I got up and put my clothes back on and, and went to Rogue Regional to go, go see Michael. And, and, you know, he thought, they thought that he was going that night. Um, God gave us the gift of, of another month or so of him after that. Um, but he asked me to pray for him. And, uh, he told me that like, uh, he told me that, that meeting me was the best thing that ever happened to him, which is insane, you know? And, um, uh, in a couple weeks before he passed, we gave him a celebration of life. And that's another thing that we do differently with the charity is we don't, if we find out a kid's terminal and we have the ability to, we put together a party for him and uh, with his friends and get as many people involved as possible because say all the things now, everything you need to say to him, do it here, you know, and we've done that a few times with kids and, you know, he tells us that day it was the best day he's ever had, you know, to be responsible for that, special, you know, and I have, I have his, his, tiger on my arm and I got that before he passed because I think you should do things while people are alive I want him to see it and then I have a butterfly above my heart which is for Nicole um, which she never gets to see you know and uh, it's those kinds of things is like like I, I can't forget these kids and I owe it to them I owe it to all these families to you know when I, far, when I first started Gamerosity, I think I had about 125 friends on Facebook. It was nice and manageable. It was perfect. It was divine, <laughs> right? And when I started the charities, people started wanting to figure out who I was. And next thing I know, there's like 1,800 people on there. And every single one of them only cares about my existence because of what I do for the kids. And I have a responsibility to them to do it right, to do it honorably and to honor their kids as well. They don't ask me to, but I know that, that that's my place as a survivor. I'll never use my platform for my own personal gain. I, can, I can't, you know, I, I, got, I got a tattoo on my arm that's telling me that it's about the kids first, you know what I mean? Um, so those hard parts, doing the memorial wall is one of those things where it's like, I, it was the last thing <laughs> that we have going on the website. I took care of all the other pages, all the other copy, all the other images are done. Stores updated. It's ready to be turned on, you know. And it was like, oh, I've been waiting on this one because I don't want to do it. Um, it was an idea that we started at Game On Day with the local kids um, and in Wisconsin. And they started, you know, we said, hey, we're going to have a tent. And we're giving out little succulents. Um, to the families, and then a picture of the child, overview about them the day they passed away. We're calling it Heaven's Heroes. 
and that was that was the heaven's heroes tent and in the midst of all the games and the fun the chaos and the music and the crafts the face painting is heaven's heroes and like why would we put such a downer in such a day of celebration and it's like because we're taking them with us we have to we owe it to a mom who's clutching their pillow tonight and you have kids you understand you know this is this is tough you know if i lost malachi if i lost natalia you know i'm holding on to her favorite stuffed animal and i just hope to god that people remember her that they remember him and that's my commitment is that we will you know and so that's what heaven's heroes is we have families whose kids never received a hero package they've asked for their for their child to be on the wall like you have to you cannot can't not be honored i'd be happy to i'd be honored to do that tell me about your child you know in in that stuff like yeah this is this is not fun to talk about you know it's it's not it's not one of those things that this is enjoyable for me i i've hated every second of doing it because like this this every single child is a story that like dude i'm not a talented person right like i struggle at graphic design i struggled i failed upwards to screen print i'm not a good public speaker i've like all these things are wrong with me and like their kids so much more talented than me that should be around like i have to pay it forward i have to make it right I have to make sure that every single parent who's lost their child looks at me as a survivor and says he didn't waste it. And it's that conviction that I take with me in nearly everything I do. And it's why my relationships and my friendships are always so like, I don't have a lot of friends because it, it, they understand that if you're with me, it's either going to be a super freaking intense talk or a game or a fight is going to be on. And I just need to like, just relax and not say anything, you know? So it's just so hot and cold and that's just kind of how I'm built and maybe it's the right way or maybe it's the wrong way I don't know but this is the best way I know how to go forward with it mm, I get that I mean I think it's the right way because I'm like that I know I'm like I'm like that and that's too. exactly like, who we friends? are <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe um, it's just a, a creative friends, thing because yeah. like, if you're gonna do it because you have to have so much passion and sometimes people just like want you to stop and I'm like, okay, like go away then. Like yeah. I'm not gonna stop. So yeah. go <laughs> it, enjoy right. your boring life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, and it's being yeah. real. Yeah. I yeah. and there is a facade out there, and we've kind of talked about this. And it's why so much small talk. Why can't we just talk about real oh, things? Mm-hmm. It's just really annoying. And if we're not gonna talk about real things, then do we have to talk yeah, do at we have all? To talk at all? So do we true. have to? Um, I think that's really cool. I think you really busted a misconception about CEOs that um, they have to be this certain persona and they just don't care. Like I'm thinking of Shark Tank. Mm. Like that's not who they are 24-7. Like Mm. them as they're building their businesses or they're working literally on TV, that's not who they are all the time. They're also soft Mm. and they also wear their hearts on their sleeve and it really i mean coming back to god i mean god knows who needs to be in certain positions and so you're the perfect person to be in that position and so you're the perfect ceo for that so it doesn't mean that you have to be super strong-willed and not have emotions i mean even my husband he doesn't wear his heart on his sleeve at all Mm -hmm. and he's a pastor of a church everyone thinks that he's supposed to be a certain way and look a certain way and it takes a lot out of him to 
get any emotion out, even as his wife. Um, but that's just who's supposed to be in that position. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. And thank you for sharing all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I find it. I've, I think it's really inspiring because um, obviously I can't speak on anything because I haven't been through anything that hard. Um, I see so many people that go through these things and they let it control their life and they never do anything. And that's that's easy to do. And I'm not even judging people that go through stuff. Like sometimes you just can't go on, but then all of a sudden your life, you're 60 years old and you're like, what have I done? I've just dwelled on these things that have happened to me. So I think it's so inspiring that you've taken that and you've ran with it even through all of the times that are so difficult for you or you're crying or you're going through stuff because people need you. Mm. People need what you're doing. And I think that's really awesome. Well, there's, so there's, there's two stories of, of that people have given me that have stuck with me since I was a kid. And they're from like, like what was it? God uses broken sticks to make straight lines. Like, like he's used some people in my life to, to speak truth, um, in the the most random ways. Um, and one of my, my dad's cousins, uh, they used to come over in the summer all the time when I was probably 12 years old, 11 years old. And over the summer they would, they would just like drink all day long and joke around. And we were their lackeys. We just have to go fetch them beers whenever they're thirsty again. Um, and by the afternoon when they got plenty in them, and they start rambling. And one of those guys he used to ramble about how the iPod was his idea. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, how, how he had that idea for an iPod. Those, those people drive me crazy. I'm, tell, I'm telling you, right? And so, and he would go on and on about it and how he could have been a millionaire and this and that. And I remember thinking like, well, why didn't you just start it? Why didn't you do it then? And then um, there was uh, my brother-in-law's dad, um, he used to tell me that he believes that God gives the same idea to multiple people and that the person that trusts him the most will be the one that gets the reward of doing it, hmm. of completing it. And um, everything else he said was always wacky. But <laughs> that to me just stayed wet with me. Theologically, I don't think it's, on, it's that sound, but practically though, I, I, I identify with what he's saying. Hmm. Is that like, a lot of the things that people launch out on, they they do not have the guts, the faith, or whatever it is you want to call it, to go ahead and launch out and start something. My mom used to have this saying, and she still does, she still lectures me about it, um, but she always says, what's the worst case scenario? Mm-hmm. You know, in every situation you do, what's the worst case scenario? I moved up to Oregon because of the worst case scenario. She said, worst case scenario, it doesn't work out. You come back, you go mm-hmm. back to school and get your job at Home Depot again. Yeah. That sounded great to me. I could live with that. So like, if you could live with it, then go. Because to me, Oregon was an adventure. It was like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to see. I didn't know I was going to be in sunny freaking valley with making my <laughs> awesome white Jordans turn brown. But, like, it, but it, you know, the process, sticking with it and all those things, you know, I, I met my wife. I've, I've created this life that I have, and it's been a huge blessing and insane. But, like, when you want to start things, when you when when you want to launch out or you have this idea, like having an idea isn't enough, you know, um, it, starting it taking the steps and shooting your shot. And if it works out, cool, you know, there's losses and there's lessons. You decide which one you want on the failure, mm-hmm. you know? And so we've always decided to take the lessons for what they were and, you know, not be ashamed of the loss whenever it comes and then grow from it. And so gamerosity has been, 
it's it's basically the 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 manifestation of everything I've learned along the way from uh, being a part of a struggling graphic design company in downtown Medford when I was working at Stronghold Studios. Like we struggled, but I learned how to screen print when I was there, and I learned how to design. And then I became a subcontractor for that ad company in Jacksonville, and they forced me to do commercial design. I learned how to be a better designer from it. And it was those two things that eventually started Forte. And it was having Forte that allowed me the, the freedom to start Gamerosity mm -hmm. because I don't have to worry about buying a press. I don't have to worry about mm -hmm. like design, any of this stuff. Crazy. Cleverly did the website for free. Like it was so much had to come together, but all of it was from previous failures and lessons that I've had along the way. And as long as you're okay with that, and okay with like even with gamerosity <coughs> like there was a chance we turn on this website february 9th 2013 and nobody goes right like i've had websites where nobody <laughs> where nobody cares and i eventually shut it down i came up with an idea for uh for hip-hop themed throw pillows called gangsta nap <laughs> no, no way. launched the website no. yeah oh, i had kanye rest chance the napper yeah let's bring it back <laughs> chance the napper yeah Wait, that we got to collaborate. You know okay, what? We're I'm, gonna put I'm, a pin in that. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm cutting this out because <laughs> we're taking that. So I got the the logo is bandana. It's a bandana uh -huh. into a pillow. Anyways, wait, that's, like, that's really, so really funny. funny actually. So I've done things that have failed, and and, mm -hmm. and they they've they failed gloriously. You know, and even even Gamerosity could have been that. It, it could have not identified with people. In fact, most people actually appreciate our charity after the kid receives the hero package than before. Because usually it's like, wait, so you're saying we have to fundraise for our kids' gift? You know, mm -hmm. Make-A-Wish, all I had to do was fill out an application, wait a year, and then when I, my kid was next in line, they, they got their wish trip, right? Now you're asking me, you want me. I'm already having my family help me out with bills. Mm -hmm. You want me to have you guys fund this? I'm like, yeah, I don't think you get it yet, but it's fine. Share it with your family because some of them do. Some of them, you're going to have an uncle that likes playing video games. They're going to say, you know what? He's going to need this, right? FaceTime, schoolwork, you know, TV, movies, just the therapeutic part of being able to listen to music while you're getting a needle in your back. Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff is tangible. You need something to help you escape, and that could be a part of it, right? So usually, but it's after they get the hero package, the parents are like, I did not realize it was all this. And then all this, the mm -hmm. community everybody came behind that that you raised two hundred dollars and then i noticed the campaign and i shared it on social media and we got it funded in you know record time so things like that we had a child where we found out that the boy is being put on hospice he has sarcoma and i get an i get an, an email from him asking like if he could get a hero package for his kid you know and it's like i have to call him back and i was like oh before i do it i'm gonna put a post on facebook share the story and see if if I, what I would like is to let him know that it's funded. Mm -hmm. He got funded in 40 minutes. Whoa. So I put $100 on it because that's another thing that we do. I'll never ask anyone to donate if I'm not donating myself. Mm -hmm. So I personally donate $100 a month to Gamerosity, and then I help out with other projects as I can because real leaders lead from the front. They don't lead from the back. So we donate to me and Kat. We contribute when we can. But, like, the other $400 was paid for within 40 minutes called the dad he was in tears he couldn't believe it you know and then he he said something that was interesting he goes you know i was i was spending all this time making sure that my son's comfortable i was trying to make sure that he um that all the hospice stuff was in order that 
medically he was taken care of and all this stuff. He goes, you know, I didn't take any time to think about whether or not he was happy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, how can you, man? I said, you're doing a great job as a dad. You're doing everything you're supposed to do. That's our job. You know, you get in touch with us, and then we find a way to bring some joy to that kid. You know, and so the community always steps up when it's time. You know, and every year, I like, we do this big holiday push every year around November. Black Friday. We started Black Friday. It's like the anti-sales thing because I hate Black Friday. Um, but we started that then, and we say we're going to fund a hero package a day until December 15th, which like this, you, sometimes it's like 23 days in between Black Friday and, and November, December 15th. And it's like, you know, like, are we going to fund 17 or, you know, 23 kids? But every time they come through, it happens every time, you know, the community, like the, the, the fear of embarrassment of failure and all that stuff. Like it's, it's not, not unhealthy, but to me, it's, it's good to like, it's good to step out in a way where you can't do it yourself. If you need other people, you're in a good place because we were, we were made to be in community. God mm. created us that way, mm. you know, doing something yourself. It's like when my business partner left Forte, he was leaving to be the children's pastor at, um, just before uh, Rousseau was the pastor. Um, and he left. He's like, yeah, if I were you, I'd just go it alone. Keep the money for yourself. And I'm thinking like, that sounds miserable. Like, then you have no one to, like, celebrate with. You have no one to, like, you know, throw a tantrum with. You know, like, we're made to be relational people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the charity is literally created to be reliant on so many people. And it's been really neat seeing that happen, you know. And, and like, every time people have come through and I've been spared the embarrassment of saying we're going to do this and it not happen. So I've been very fortunate so far. Because I think people, they see the authenticity behind what we're trying to do. That it is about the kids. That it is about like all of this is going towards those kids. And then now we're, we're, we're getting deeper into the stuff we want to do. Like now we're adding custom apparel for the kids on the new, on the new website. So when they fill out the nomination form, I created six templates. They could choose one of the six templates and it's all live right there. And then they choose the color shirt, the color ink that they want. And then that's on their page. And so they could buy a custom shirt with the kid's name on it. So like, Johnny's Army or Praying for Johnny, Johnny or Johnny Strong, whatever saying template we have. And they're all unique designs that I created. And they're going to have that. And then when the hero package gets funded, then we're going to print those shirts and give them, give them out to, to everybody who ordered. Well, the potential for there to be more sales than we actually need for the hero package is there. Because we only mm-hmm. need to sell 50 shirts or a mix of donations and whatever to hit that. So now we're able to turn those, we can't give families cash by like law, but we can turn those into like gas cards and, and like mm. Visa gift cards to help mm-hmm. them with rent and with bills and stuff like that. Wow. So like, I'm like so psyched that we get to like, we get to help the kid in something practical and then we get to, to build community strength with the custom apparel so that the kid will be able to see people wearing his shirt, <laughs> which is really cool. And then on top of that, we get to, in a very practical way, help the families by paying a gift card or giving him like a you know gift card to to like mcdonald's or gas or things like that to help them in in real tangible ways while they're in treatment as well so that's something like i've wanted to do for a long time because the parents would even say like well we have bills this is kind of like a secondary thing i'm like yeah i know it's a primary thing for your kid though Mm. but i understand where you're at as a parent you got bills to pay and now we could actually help them out in in that way too so i'm pretty psyched about that That that's really good uh uh, insight on community because mm-hmm. I'm really bad at that. Anyway, um, so 
we've kind of been talking about this the whole time, but we always ask our guests what their silver lining is mm. of your career or your life or your nonprofit or whatever it is. Can you think of anything off the top of your head? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, there's there's a verse, um, and I I forget where it is. Edit it, and I don't know, whatever. Do okay. your, your technical <laughs> do thing. My, do your thing. Um, but but the prophet's saying on behalf of God, he says, if you could take the precious out of the vial, you will be like my mouth. And um, it's one of been one of the most like important verses in my life, you know, because you look around us and our situations and how broken we all are. There's so much vileness around it. Mm-hmm. And, and God's character is to take the precious out of it, to find something beautiful in it, mm-hmm. um, in even the darkest of circumstances. And um, that's, that's been a thing for me, you know. And, and so we look at this. Last year we were, uh, it was the first year we took my kids to Game On Day in Wisconsin. Mm. So they love it. Malachi likes being in charge, and he sees dad's in charge, and so he runs around acting like he's the man. And so we had to have a talk with him and said, this is an important trip. This isn't like Portland where it's, you know, 50 people in this small little place. This is going to be hundreds of people. You're here to serve. You're here to serve. You're here to serve. And so I took my then 10 and 8-year-old to Wisconsin, and I'm standing back on this incredible day, and I'm seeing Malachi do the, the whip nene dance with, <laughs> uh, with a probably 3-year-old kid with cancer in the middle of the grass. I look the other way, and I see my 8-year-old daughter, Natalia, she, she would go and she would win prizes at these little craft areas, and she'd go find a kid that's bald and give it to them but she wouldn't just give it to them she'd go down to their level my little eight-year-old daughter put her arm around them and say hey i want you to have this because you're a hero and you're super brave and you could do anything you want to oh my gosh and so like <laughs> i was like lisa's gonna start uh, crying at that one well no i mean she, yeah. i was yeah because to me beautiful. it's like you know to, it's like oh that's all their mom right there but like I, sitting back and like you want know, silver lining is like so much hurt and pain and so much difficult things that I've been through those I was only in chemo for six months I mean the average time in treatment for kids with leukemia is two and a half years to three years right that's a long time in your life in those six months you know I had infections in places let me tell you it, it's bad I couldn't swallow my throat hurt so bad they thought I was gonna die I could barely breathe I had the blood pressure of a young baby like I went through that, you know, the, the anxiety of the spinal taps, needles in my back, all the pain, the nausea, all of it. I mean, I got to the point about four months into it where I would, I literally was on a four hour Benadryl cocktail. Like the, the nurses knew that when it was time for me to get Benadryl, cause it just made me feel stoned and I went to sleep mm-hmm. and like, I just, just let me sleep through this. Mm-hmm. I just get me through it. And when it's over, wake me up, you know? And I, I had days, man, where it was like, it was time stood still and you were just left alone in it and it was hard and to see my son doing the whip nene dance with a little boy and seeing my daughter walk around giving free presents out to kids um yeah that's that's silver lining right mm-hmm. that's that's the beauty in in the vial that's precious would i go through that again so i could see my little humans act in compassion absolutely you know, because that's my big ask for them is that they understand that they're, well, they're one in a million and they're unique and they have they have special attributes that make them who they are. 
they're also living on a big orb with seven billion other people. And the greatest thing a parent can do is, is teach their child that there's seven billion other people with them, that they get to serve seven billion other people, you know, because kids naturally, they think they're the center of the universe. And so like them having those moments and they, they fail sometimes too, like I do, but you see them, they were like, they just, they fell right in line right away. They were just, they're ready to serve. It was really cool to see, you know? And so to me, it's like, like, was that worth it? You know, when I was 15, 15, 16 year old me, like, like I was, I was like dating a girl and I, and I remember being 15 and being like, listen, you know, being all dramatic. It's like, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to focus on my health. <laughs> I got to get better. So if you leave, if you, if you need to leave, I understand you don't have to stay. Mm. And she looks me in the eyes and she says, okay. Oh <laughs> my goodness. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for saying yeah, that. Yeah. For sure. I'm like, gosh, you really did feel trapped. Didn't you? Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And, and, and I say that to say like, like, you know, life, life could have gone a very different direction. And this is what, what the Lord gave me. But I, I did want to say your kids didn't just learn that from your wife. They definitely yeah, they learned that from you. Yeah, they did. But you probably from her. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so where, what's next for Gamerosity? I know you said you have your mm-hmm. website coming. Where can people yeah. find you? How can they donate? All of that. So this is, yeah, the website's launching. And the, okay. the, the, big, the big thing with the website has always been the fact that we haven't had control over it. Um, so when families would want to change the picture, they'd have to email us. We'd have to email the developer mm-hmm. who since got a different job. And we're talking like weeks in between. Great guy. He donated so many hours of service to the website. But it's very obvious that we needed the control. We needed to take back our site. And so having that, being able to make changes on the fly, update events and all that stuff is super cool. Adding the custom apparel to me is like a game changer. Um, it's something people have been asking for a while. Like, oh, I see you have all these shirts here. Can you mm-hmm. make one for, you know, my my child? Like, no, we can't do that. The website isn't allowing it to. So that's really unique. I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the projects, our dream is to create this app that connects the nearly 1,000 children that we've given hero packages out to through iOS. I mean, they all have iPads. Mm-hmm. And so what we want to do is gamify the treatment experience. Wow. And so we want supporters, so kids who've survived, to be able to encourage and give advice and like, um, you know, based on their symptoms, what they're going through. Oh, I have mouth sores. Here's how I dealt with mouth sores and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And we want to use collaborations and partnerships to be able to send these kids prizes for being uplifting and encouraging and providing that insight for them and we want to be able to have the kids who are patients at the time you know be able to share how they're feeling that day with that one through ten smiley face to sad face scale right and then based on how they're feeling that day what's going on with them they earn points for that right then we send that report to the doctors and nurses so they're aware before even coming and check in on the child already what's going on so it's just one less in the communication loop and the fact that they're getting points and gifts and rewards and stuff from us for sharing those kinds of things mm. will hope, hopefully incentivize them sharing truly how they're feeling to get the encouragement from the encouragers, but also to share with, with their medical staff, which is really important, you know, both just how they're feeling personally and how they're feeling, you know, emotionally, physically, all that stuff is really important. So we want to become 
this immersive hub where these families can not only uplift each other, like if they hit their goal, you could celebrate and congratulate with them. They'll get the notification for that. So they feel the community. They feel the solidarity there. We could connect families based on diagnosis, based on age, or based on the hospital that they go to. So new diagnosis, they could say like, hey, there's a kid you know, who's your age at your hospital right now. Get to know them so they could be friends. You're not alone. And, and you know, the, the lie that the enemy has always given us our whole life is that you are alone, mm-hmm. right? Like all the way back to Elijah, right? Like I am the only one left. And God's like, bro, just go that way. There's like a whole bunch of people who haven't <laughs> got the knee, right? Yeah. So that's my big goal. I think as all of these new things come up and as the website's done, we'll be posting on our page too. So yeah, people can absolutely. stay updated with what you guys are doing mm-hmm. and that exciting new stuff. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So many good ideas. I'm excited to see everything unfold. Yeah. So, And thank you for sharing your vulnerability yeah. and the realness. We appreciate it a yeah, lot. Thanks for yeah. being on the show. No I told you I talk a lot. So no, I'm it's sorry. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it was the best talking. <laughs> Well, Shakers, thanks for listening. Again, if you guys want to support Gamerosity, head to Gamerosity.com. I will link it below in the show notes. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and review to our show to always be informed of our new episodes. Please email us if you have any ideas for guests or topics you want to have on the show. Join our Facebook group, The Salt and Pepper Podcast Insiders, and follow us on Instagram at The Salt and Pepper Podcast. And as always, we will see you next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Tune in every Tuesday on the saltandpepperpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and please rate and review. Follow us on Instagram at the Salt and Pepper Podcast. Make sure to like and follow our Facebook page and email us for any questions, comments, or ideas about what you want to hear on the show. We will see you next Tuesday. I'm all shook up.